Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. I am Troy Shockley, and this is the Coffee Break Podcast. Thanks for joining our chat today. Coffee Break brought to you by Cochrane Insurance. Joining us on the phone now, that phone was, uh, we were crossing our fingers there. It's like uh, election day. We weren't quite sure uh, yes or no on that thing for a little bit, but it dialed. And we've got Lewis and Clark County Public Health Officer Drenda Neiman. Drenda, thanks for taking time this morning. Good morning. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah. I mean, we're going to take a quick break from election coverage, which is going to be nice. I mean, we're going to have plenty of that the rest of the day and really through at least the rest of the week. But it's also uh, some time that we're going to take and talk about something very important uh, right now. Uh, Drenda, I, I guess let's start at the 10,000-foot the view. I mean, just in, in general, what are things looking like right now in terms of COVID-19 in the state of Montana? Yeah, the um, the cases in the state of Montana are on the rise. Uh, we have a really nice dashboard that the the state uh, COVID task force keeps up to date with um, with the data, and our trend line is of course going in the wrong direction. In the wrong direction, and we've had um, you know daily uh, daily case counts of um, over a thousand, which is really concerning for uh, this. This, a state the size of Montana and the population that we have, um, we we are concerned, and and of course the um, population centers are getting hit hard, the hardest. So Yellowstone County, Gallatin County, Missoula County, um, up in Flathead, um, Cascade County, and of course Lewis and Clark, we're all we're all kind of feeling the the hit of increased cases right now. Yeah, I mean, we it was not that long ago where we were talking, uh, you know, hey, we just passed 500 for the first time, and hey, we just passed 700 for the first time, and now, like you said, was it 1,063 uh, not too long ago, 909 yesterday. I mean, our our, our mean daily uh, number is, is just steadily increasing. It is, yeah. And, you know, we, we fully anticipate that we'll get that we have cases that is that's not the conversation anymore the conversation is can we keep the cases at a at a um at a rate that is low enough for our hospital system and our public health system to keep up work associated with the cases that's really the conversation now yeah i mean we see billings again kind of leading the way it wasn't that long ago that they were starting to push 2000 thinking okay they might break through that now if the trend continues i would think they're looking at 3000 by the end of the week aren't they yes they're over 2800 at this point yeah i mean so that not the only county seeing issues though i mean we've got several over a thousand active now uh it was for a while yellowstone county was the only one and uh now here in the last week or so uh, we've got several cascade county right next door they're up at 1400 they are yeah and again it's the population centers and so it's you know where we have the the density people it's where we're seeing mm-hmm. the most transmission happening yeah uh, we've got lewis and clark county public health officer drenda neiman on the line with us this morning here on coffee break and uh, uh, when we talk about lewis and clark county frankly we're on the path to a thousand here aren't we we are we have um our data needs to be updated uh, we don't have our our data dashboard is showing 895 for active cases, um, but it's a we have a little delay in in clearing our our cases out of our database, out of the system. So we're at, we're actually sitting closer to 600, uh, between six and 700 active 
right now. Okay, so we have had some clear out. That's that's fantastic news. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, when people are in isolation, the minimum days that an individual would um, spend in isolation when they've tested positive for COVID-19 is 10 days. Um, they could spend longer in isolation depending on their symptoms. If their symptoms linger, they could absolutely be isolated for more than 10 days. But that's the point at which our numbers change and we, we consider them recovered is after um, they come off of isolation. They're, they're essentially released from isolation mm -hmm. and their symptoms have cleared, which means they're not contagious and they can go back to work and go back to school and all those things. Yeah. So if if you dig into the numbers a bit, which I I know you all do over there, I mean, how is our county looking in terms of, I guess, percentages in cases per capita? Because it feels really high. Yeah. Our daily case incident. So this is this number is calculated per one hundred thousand population. Um, is setting at fifty five point five five right now. So fifty over fifty five daily new cases per one hundred thousand population. That's really high. Yeah. So it was uh, Yellowstone County made the decision to um, roll back and institute additional restrictions when they hit 70,000 daily new cases per 100,000, if that gives you some context. Okay. Yeah, because that's what I was going to ask is how does that compare to <laughs> sort of these other uh, population centers that we're seeing with bigger numbers? Yeah, we we are even though we have high numbers um, and it's increasing, we we tend to be at the bottom um, of the the large counties as far as um, the rate at which we're the the virus is transmitting. Okay. So, Lewis and Clark County Public Health Officer Drenda Neiman with us this morning. Uh, Drenda, we recently saw numbers uh, from those wastewater tests showing a, a pretty massive spike in East Helena. Can you explain what's going on there? Because it was like 20 times or something. I mean, it was a, a huge number. Yes. And thankfully, the, the most recent report that came out on um, the 29th, so um, just the end of last week, and um, that the virus in the wastewater did come down. So we were glad to see the the trend now. The, it's not a trend yet until we can see multiple weeks of um, the virus uh, and the concentration of the virus in the wastewater coming back down again. But that was that was very concerning um, that it, it spiked so significantly in East Helena. Um, when we worked with the um, the, the PhD at Carroll College who is doing this, uh, she actually they actually ran it twice because they were concerned that there may have been an error. But there, um, after they they reran it and confirmed um, that that is exactly what they found was that high level um, of concentration. And what they're also the folks at Carroll College are, are showing are telling us is that it is predictive. So when we see a spike. In the virus in the wastewater, we absolutely will see a spike in diagnosed cases um, through testing. Okay, so with those numbers now going down, hopefully that's also predictive, right? Of you know maybe our numbers are going down a little bit. Um, in East Helena, for sure, um, our Helena it, um, chart is not; it is right. still okay. on the rise. So, so in in terms of I guess demographics, uh, Drenda. I mean, in the county, what are we seeing there in terms of, I mean, is, is there a trend in terms of, you know, age or anything like that? Yeah, we're seeing about 20% of our cases fall in the age group 20 to 29. Um, the next highest age group is 50 to 59. 
Okay. So those are those are kind of the two age groups that are driving the cases right now. Which is, I mean, that's good news, bad news, right? I mean, we don't want that 80 to 89 demographic being a big number, but we also don't want people out there spreading it. Yeah, that's, that tends to be what we're seeing is um, younger folks are not getting as sick, but they are um, experiencing more of the, the minor symptoms and potentially asymptomatic. And they're, they are exposing individuals that are in those um, other age brackets and the ones that are at greater risk, so anyone over the age of 65. But, I, you know, I do want to put an asterisk on that because we do have evidence that even young folks are struggling with really severe illness. Um, and there's some preliminary and it is very preliminary, but some preliminary evidence that um, there's cardiovascular as well as neurological damage happening um, due to the virus. And so you may survive it, but end up having to deal with some long-term health impacts from it. Drenda Neiman with us this morning on Coffee Break. She's the Lewis and Clark County Public Health Officer. And uh, if, if you follow the line graph for us, uh, Drenda, I mean, w- we've been talking uh, election for I, I don't even know how long now, and it's all about making predictions. So uh, this trend that we're seeing, I mean, where might it be taking us by even, you know, this time next week or in two weeks? What are you anticipating here in the county? Well, just based on where the numbers have been and where they're headed, we do anticipate um, that the cases will continue to rise, which is a, it's a real concern because, first of all, our healthcare system has now reported for several weeks in a row um, that they are really struggling with um, both staff and also capacity at the hospital to treat not only individuals with COVID, but also individuals who are needing care at the hospital for other issues. And so we, in order to protect our healthcare system, we have to, as a, as a county and, and in individuals within this county, work to slow the, the number of cases, the daily cases. Um, the more daily cases we have, the more likelihood that we'll have individuals end up in the hospital. The more in, individuals we have end up in the hospital, the more we'll, death we'll see in our county. Yeah, well, and we had been doing so well in comparison to the rest of the state. And, you know, it frankly feels not that long ago we had something like 40 or 50 active cases, and we're seeing that now added almost daily. I mean, where is that coming from? Yeah, um, the exposure, when we look at our exposure numbers, um, it, it's really, it's that's a hard one. That's a hard one to answer. But when we're asking the individuals that do test positive what they've been up to um, as far as their activities in the last two weeks, which is the incubation period for the virus, um, many of them are reporting that they have, um, that they're attending group um, events um, whether it's a family gathering or a wedding or a funeral or other type, types of events. So that, that is a definite um, source that we're seeing. Um, restaurants also, there, there's about 34% at last count. Um, of course, this, our data here now is about a week old. So at last count, um, about 34% of people that are testing positive had in the last two weeks um, visited rest, and actually went to restaurants and sat down in restaurants. Um, whether that's a, a significant trend or not is yet to be determined, but um, these are activities that we know contribute and are high, higher risk, right? So, um, of course, we fully understand by this point in the pandemic 
<clears throat> that going to a restaurant, setting down with a group of people in a restaurant is a, high, is a more high-risk activity than if you were to order out, pick up, and take home and, and eat the meal with, the fam with your family members that you typically live with. And so um, those, are, those are some of the trends that we're seeing as far as where exposure might be happening. Um, the cases, we, we are seeing quite a bit in congregate settings, and so uh, assisted living long-term care facilities. Um, Carroll College had quite a quite an outbreak and a spike there, but that's now under control at last report. Um, I believe they have only five active cases right now, so they did a really nice job of kind of putting a lid on um, their spiking cases that they saw at Carroll College, but it's those congregate settings. Um, so at the detention center as well, we saw um, a, an outbreak happen at the detention center, and we were able to, to quickly react and respond to that and um, keep it contained. And so now that is, that's under control in that setting. But um, daycare facilities, again, continue to be a, um, a source of spread. Um, schools are hanging in there. Uh, we are seeing cases, cases happen in schools, but um, not at the not at a very high rate compared to some of the other large jurisdictions across the state. So we're yeah. really grateful. So it that sounds like the, the measures that like Helena Public Schools have taken in terms of you know sort of splitting the school in half on you know days at home, uh, days at school. It's the same group moving from class to class. All of those measures that they're taking, it it, it sounds like pretty effective. Yes, absolutely. Um, the, the precautionary measures that, that they continue to do, and I have to give it to the teachers because they are really the ones that are doing it every single day. They're, they're getting kids to understand the importance of wearing their face coverings. They're keeping kids six feet apart. Um, and, uh, and at the same time, they're, they're trying to teach their math lessons and their English lessons. And so I, I give it to, I, my hat's off to the teachers in Helena District as well as East Helena District and the other schools throughout Lewis and Clark County, they're doing a phenomenal job of um, both teaching right now and also um, protecting our kiddos from the spread of the virus within that setting. Yeah, they're, and, and they, they are doing uh, an awful lot. And you know what? You, you bring that up, Drenda, so I, you know, and, and because they put me behind the microphone and nobody can stop me, I'm going to uh, praise my wife for, uh, she's a teacher. They're actually recording my wife's class tomorrow over at Helena Middle School, um, a couple of classes to play to the uh, the school board uh, and show them, look, this is what we're doing in our classes. This is how it, this is why it's being effective, not only for containing this virus, but uh, for, for teaching students. And so, the, and my wife's certainly not the only one out there doing it uh, right, but I, I, I just see sort of behind the scenes all, all the work that's put in to make this happen. And uh, so so send a thank you note to uh, to your kids' teachers. for uh, they're, they're putting in an awful lot of extra work to make sure this thing works. And uh, just, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of them and of her, so I wanted to throw that out there. Um, we do have to take a quick break uh, at some point. And so uh, we're going to do that right now real quick. Uh, we'll be back, though, in a couple minutes to talk more with Drenda Neiman on Coffee Break. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. 
in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. Welcome back in. This is Coffee Break. I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for sticking around with us this morning. Lewis and Clark County Public Health Officer Drenda Neiman, our guest. Drenda, uh, thanks for joining us and thanks for sticking around for the full show today. Absolutely. Thank you again for the invitation. It's been nice visiting with you again about um, the status of COVID in our community. Yeah. I mean, what, Drenda, are... Um, I, I, I guess the strategies right now of the health department, because we see these numbers going up, um, you know, what are you doing? I mean, how, how do we tamp this thing down? Yeah. So, uh, we, we are looking at, um, several different mitigation strategies and have instituted over the last couple of weeks, a couple of them. One, most people have now heard that, um, we are not approving any uh, event plans that are being submitted for um, events larger than 50. So that is in, uh, in alignment with the governor's directive where he allows um, groups up to 50 and then anything over 50 you, work, you have to work with the local health department. And so um, at this point, because of the spike in our cases and our attempt to try to, to minimize the impact for, from the healthcare system and be able to um, you know, give ourselves some some brief public health. Uh, we we are just saying no to events, um, events, and also knowing that that is a, a high risk. Those are high risk environments for the spread of the virus, and we've been saying that now for months. Yeah. That those well, large group gatherings are not a good idea right now. Yeah, I mean, but I I guess where you run into the the issue there is, I mean, there there are other group gatherings, aren't there? I mean, we talk things like dining or shopping, that sort of thing. Very often, there's going to be more than fifty people there. Right. Yes. And so this this really only applies to um, really group gatherings that don't have to happen right now. And so unfortunately, this is the time of year we often see a lot of fundraisers happen with nonprofits. Um, an event like that is not going to be approved through the health department at this time until we can get these case numbers to come back down again. Um, and so I guess... I'll, I'll, I'll take the opportunity because um, you've, you've invited me on <laughs> that our, our nonprofits and our community really need um, our local support, um, knowing that they can't hold their typically do. And so um, they are going to be looking for really creative ways to raise money to support their missions. And so I just ask that our community really reach out to your favorite nonprofit and really help them out right now and, and participate in their in their virtual um, fundraising efforts, because that's the only way they're able to, to raise money right now. Yeah, we, we've got uh, a coat drive going on right now, Coats and Gloves, actually, uh, uh, the Exchange Club. We're, we're going to be talking about that on Friday. That's coming to a close, uh, I, I think, this weekend or Monday. We're going to talk with them, because that's that's one of those, that they're not having their normal fundraiser, but the, but they are still working uh, to try to help the folks uh, in our community. So uh, we're, we're going to be talking uh, at least about that one still coming up. But, yeah. Drenda, what, what does this mean for for, uh, I guess for the holidays. I mean, mm -hmm. what? And, and then I guess the follow-up for that is, what, what do you and other health officials health officials expect in you know the, the weeks after 
Thanksgiving and, and that sort of thing, because that is when people gather together. Sure. Yeah. What we're what we're asking right now is that um, our families be really thoughtful about how they celebrate the holidays this year. Um, the the least risky way to do it is just to keep it really small and celebrate with the people that you typically live with. Um, that's really hard because we all um, normally in a normal year outside of a pandemic. Uh, we this is a time when we get together with extended family members and we travel and all of those things are really considered to be quite high risk right now. So it um, so to limit the risk as much as possible, keep your keep your holiday celebration small. Um, if you are traveling to visit family, my our recommendation in public health is to those two weeks prior to travel, do what you can to quarantine. Do a, a self um, you know, voluntary quarantine so that you're not exposing yourself within the community and um, run the risk of potential uh, spread with the virus and then t and then take that with you when you go to travel and, and visit family. Um, when you, If you are going to travel and visit family, um, all of the rules still apply. And so all the things that we know that protect you are going to protect you in that setting as well. And so keeping your distance. And so now this is not the year to, to do the hugs and kisses with grandma. Um, so um, we'll have to find other ways to show our affection. Um, so keeping your distance is really important. We also recommend the use of a face covering when you're in an inside environment. Um, you know, that could be a really fun family activity. Um, and so. Yes, it's miserable, and yes, the pandemic is um, really driving our acti our activities in our lives right now. But attitude is everything, and so uh, what I recommend is that you, you do the best that you can, and you, and you make the most of it, and you have some fun with it. Um, but really, our recommendation is to keep things really small yeah. and intimate this year, and um, and not do a lot of traveling and exposing other you know, either going to a, a place where there's a, a lot more disease and bringing it back here or taking something with you and sharing it with you. That's not the kind of present that you want to give yeah. is the virus. Uh, so, so masking up, I, obviously an annoyance still, but uh, we, we we still believe that's something that helps. It is, it is a minor inconvenience and a small sacrifice, and we know that it works. And, and I, I guess throw in there, you know, washing hands, cleaning counters, you know, do everything you did six months ago. Yeah, we've been talking about the precautionary. We've been talking about the prevention measures from day one. And so we, we know how the virus spreads. It spreads when people are close together. So stay six feet apart, wear your face covering, and wash your hands and, and sanitize your surfaces. Those large group gatherings matter right now. And so we, need, we do need to um, avoid those. We've got about four minutes left with Drenda Neiman this morning. Uh, Drenda, what about the vaccine? I mean, when 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 do we anticipate seeing that? And I guess when it gets here, my assumption is it, it'll be limited initially, right? It will be, yes, absolutely. And they've been um, the scientists have been talking about that that the first rollout is going to be pretty small. Um, it'll have to be directed towards um, the highest risk. Uh, population and so our healthcare workers will need to be the first ones to get that. Um, they're the ones that are exposed regularly as they're treating people within the healthcare system, um, and then the, of course, individuals in that high-risk category as well will be a priority. Um, 
So I, I would anticipate it's a year out before we see mass vaccination, before we see the majority of our population have access to the vaccination. It'll be this time next year. Okay. Well, and, and, and I would guess we, we talked about, you know, the importance of, you know, wearing the mask and keeping your distance, that sort of thing. But uh, also, I, I would assume there's some hesitance by people to tell their employer that they might be sick. Just, uh, you know, for, for whatever, they worry about potential repercussions. Uh, real or imagined and so there's got to be a, a group of folks that haven't reported anything i mean is is that an issue and and how important is it that if you feel sick you you go and get tested yeah it is absolutely um one of the things that we're seeing in a trend a pretty significant trend that we're seeing with the positives um, and when we do our case investigation it, it becomes evident that um, individuals have are going to work sick and um, have been at, at work sick for a week or more. And during that course of time, they've really exposed their coworkers in that setting. And so we really are working um, as, as closely as we can with um, employers, help them understand the importance of daily screening of employees, um, make sure that you don't have employees that are coming to work sick, um, and, and support them when they say, I, I have symptoms and I'm not coming to work, um, make sure that we have a way to do some paid sick leave right now for people so that they feel like, and because people are, are, are really coming up against a rock and a hard spot. Um, either they go to work and get paid so that they can put groceries on the table and pay their rent, pay their mortgage, um, or they stay home and they don't get paid. And so that we need leaders in our community and in our business community in particular, and many, many businesses are figuring out how to do this. They're supporting their employees. They're, um, they're encouraging them to stay home when they're sick. And that actually is protecting their business. Because if we, if you have a sm just a, think about a small local business and just a handful of employees, if somebody comes to work sick and exposes everyone else, um, the, your, your business could end up being closed just because of isolation and quarantine requirements. And so um, really prevention is the best way to go. Prevention is going to keep our businesses open. Prevention is going to keep our schools open, but we have to do it. We yeah. have to do it, and we have to do it really well. Lewis and Clark County Public Health Officer Drenda Neiman with us this morning. Drenda, we've got 30 seconds left, and, and we've talked about the trend. we talked about the numbers, uh, and, and I know it almost feels there's a sense of inevitability at this point, but this is, in fact, something we can, we can turn around if we, if we do what we need to do. Absolutely. And we need to unify. We need to get to, we need to come together. We need to fight this together. It's no different than any other war. We, we're waging war against this virus, and if we don't come together and do it together, we'll, we, we will fail. We will continue to see um, severe illness, and we'll continue to see death in our community. And um, so from a public health perspective, I don't want to see that. I want to see, see us get through this with as little um, you know, damage as possible, and the only way to do that is if we all come together and work together and fight it together. Drenda Neiman, Lewis and Clark County Public Health Officer. Drenda, thanks so much for taking time to chat with us this morning. Uh, thank you for the work that you're doing. And uh, tell everybody else uh, over there, thank you for all they're doing. We're all out of time. Sure will. We'll be back here tomorrow. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.